going to continue our series on, on James this week. We're on week six of our James series, which is entitled Learning and Living a Faith That Works. Today we're going to start James chapter 3. We're going to be in James chapter 3, starting with verse number 1 through 12. Um, and, and again, we want to start with our, with our main theme, and especially today we want to start with our main theme, which is James 1 4b, which is simply this, that you may be perfect or mature and complete, lacking in nothing. Now, this is another one of those that we're really going to have to remember that on, because this is something that we all struggle with. There is not a single person here that does not struggle with this in one way or another. This is a difficult one. This is a, a troubling one. This is one that we all deal with, and it's something that we all have to work on to be better at. And basically, so the section title of this particular portion of Scripture that we're going to be talking about is basically Taming the Tongue. Taming the Tongue. And we're going to be in James, the third chapter, starting with one verse, uh, verse number one and concluding with verse number 12. I'm going to read that for you very quickly, and then we'll continue. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church. For we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a horse, a large horse, go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one, no one can, can, can tame the tongue. It is a restless, it is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Father, we love you and we need you. I need you. And God, this is a tough one. This is one that we all struggle with. And this is one we all need to do better on. And so, Father, I pray that through this, this teaching, through this time, that, Father, we would accept your discipline. Because you love those, you discipline those you love. And so that we would accept it. We would, not, we would not put our hand up and say, no, that's not me. We would not put our hand up and say, God, I don't care. Father, that we would welcome that discipline. Because the discipline in our lives is what's going to change us. It's going to make us more like you. It's going to help us grow. And help us to be who you want us to be. So, Father, I pray that right now, even though it's not fun, even though it's difficult, that we would accept it, that we would grow from it. And in this situation, in this time, this would be a turning point in our lives. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Taming the tongue. Oh, my goodness. Woo! Everybody ready? Okay, because you're going to have to get ready because this is going to be one of those fun ones. Okay? This is going to be one of those that you're going to be like, oh, yay, yay. I don't know how you were disciplined when you were a child. Maybe you sat in the corner. Maybe you got a spanking. Maybe you just had to be looked at. You know, I know kids that, like, you stare at them funny, and it's like they just 
break up. You know, I don't know how it happened, but I remember with me in my life, it was dad would say, go to my room. Or mom would say, wait till your father gets home. That was horrible. Because dad may be home in 15 minutes, but it was like, you know, you felt like it was, you know, 15 years or something. And you'd sit there and you'd wait and you'd get that discipline. I remember my father, he would, you know, he would sit me over his knee and, and he would be, you know, let me know that, that, that what I was doing was not acceptable. And he would make this crazy comment. This hurts me more than it hurts you. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, my dad is a liar. But he was true. It was true. And, 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 and trust me on this, this is, this is one that I struggle with and I'm horrible at and I sin with a lot. But I think we all do. And, and, and so what we're trying to do here is, is and we're going to see this in a second, is, is we all stumble in this way. And our goal here, our desire is to stumble less. And so the first part of this, this section of Scripture really talks about accountability and stumbling. Accountability and struggling, stumbling. And it starts with James 3, verses 1 and 2. And it basically says this. Not many of you should become teachers, my brother. should have listened to that. Um, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. And then in 1 John 1, 8, it says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. We have to understand here what James is saying when he says stumble. If you go back to the original Greek, stumble here is not this concept of a fatal fall. Okay? It's not talking about a fatal fall. It's literally talking about something that gets in our way. It's a hindrance. It's something that we trip over. Okay? If I said I stumbled on the stairs, you know I'm still living. I just tripped up. Now, I may have fallen down. I don't know, but I stumbled. I, 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 I was not able to continue my running. If you watch the Olympics and you have those guys and they're running as fast as they can, it takes one small slip up, one small stumble, and they'll lose the race. And so what he, James is talking about here is not a, a fatal thing necessarily, but something that trips us up, something that, that causes us to stumble on our race. Now, sometimes it will be hindering to us to the point where we sit down on the floor and have a pity party, but most of the time it's just something that trips us up. But here's the thing. If it continues to trip us up, it's going to take a really, really long time to get to the finish line. As I said earlier, this is not about perfection as much as it is progress. This isn't about a situation where we look at things and go, listen, i got to do this absolutely perfectly, and if I fail, I'm going to fall fatally. But this is a situation where we go, I want to finish the race in the best way with the best time I possibly can. And so the least amount of stumbles is really going to be a part of that. That And we are held accountable for what we say. Now, James here does a very interesting thing. He brings this idea of teachers. Now, why does he bring in this idea of teachers and accountability in right before he gets to the idea of taming the tongue? Very simply, teachers talk a lot. We talk. If you would say, well, you're a teacher now. You know, I've had people say, you know, I've kind of made that joke before. You know, I was the black sheep of the family. I'm not a teacher. And somebody, oh, yeah, you are. You teach a lot. And I appreciate that. But I talk a lot. There's times where I come home. When I come home after church today and after everything's over and I sit down, I'm not going to talk as much because I'm tired of talking. And I talk. I talk a lot. I talk a lot right now. I'm gaining a lot of words on you all right now. 
Okay? And so it's easy for us to do that. And God is going to hold us accountable. We talked about that before. Okay? And yeah, James is using here this idea of teachers. But we're all going to be held accountable for what we say and what we do. And can I also say this? What we type. Okay? Can we have just a heart-to-heart right now, all in love? Okay? I do not have the social media stuff. Okay? So you understand that? So I'm not talking about anybody in particular. Okay? I don't know. I don't read it. I'm just going by the majority of how life is right now. Okay? You got this unbelievable thing. You have the ability to type something out and then think about what you have typed. And then either, I'm assuming, hit return or delete. Now, when I talk, sometimes I'll be talking and all of a sudden something will come out. You ever done this? You'll be talking and you just want to grab the words and grab it and pull it back to your mouth. You have that ability with a keyboard and a, and a phone. And it amazes me how stupid we are with that sort of stuff right now. And I understand it. We think we don't have accountability. We think that we can type that and somebody way over in New York City can't get to us. And the worst thing they can do is type something nasty back. Listen to me and hear me as your pastor, as someone that loves you. You will be held accountable. There's times where I'll get online and I'll see message boards that are Christian message boards. And they will say some of the most vile, most ridiculous, more of the most unloving things I have ever seen. You will be held accountable. Especially because you have the ability to look at what you type and say, that's not godly. That's not what God would have me write. That is not an example that I want to set. Delete. You will be held accountable. But we're all going to stumble. Okay? Somebody said, why, aren't you, why don't you do the social media stuff? A couple reasons. Number one, I don't have time. And number two, I am probably know myself enough to know I'm not wise enough to hit delete. So you got to understand where this is coming from. I get it. But we're all going to be held accountable for this, guys. And we all have to understand, it's not just, nowadays, it's not just taming our tongue. It's taming what we type or what we put out there. Because here's what I've learned about stuff. I can go and I can search on Google for something like, how do I do this? Or I'm looking for this or whatever. And you know what Google will do? It'll bring up stuff on search stuff. It'll bring up like message boards from like 2005. It doesn't go away. You can't reach and grab it back. It's really hard to find somebody you don't know and basically say, hey, listen, I was having a really bad day and I need you to forgive me for what I typed. And then somebody like me goes back and sees it and goes, wow, wow, that's a follower of Christ? No, thank you. You don't think the enemy's going to use that stuff? And we're going to look a little deeper into some of this as we go on. But you've got to understand, we will all be held accountable. Teachers especially, but we will all be held accountable. And that stumbling will hinder our spiritual progress. It'll hinder our spiritual growth. Next, next, James moves into the second part of this, which is the power of the tongue. And he looks at James 3, verses 3 and verse number 3 through verse number 6. And in that, it basically says this. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth and a small rudder 
water makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. Okay? It is a flame of fire. It is the whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It is a big, big deal. You know, when I was a kid, I heard this little, this little rhyme, and you're all going to know it. You're all going to know it. You ready? Here we go. Sticks and stones may break my bones... But words can never hurt me. Why do we lie to our kids? Words hurt. Words are powerful. I remember my son, and, and you know, you kind of, you kind of, in your in your adultness, can forget um, things, and and, and you kind of minimize things and I remember my son being at school and he came home and he was very very ashen and very very look sad and I picked him up and I I got him in the car and got him in his car seat and and we were driving down the road and I said Easton what's wrong what's wrong and normally you know you know if you haven't met Easton you mean you know him he's running around you know like his hair's on fire he's loving life everything's good and I said what's wrong and he wouldn't say anything he just I'm fine I'm fine I said, what is wrong? Finally, he said, a kid had said something to him. Said he didn't like him. Said he didn't want to be his friend. Something like that. You know, I mean, you know how kids are. You know, this was back in Albuquerque. Like he was in three or in preschool. And I remember like in this moment of fatherly wisdom, you know, I was like, you know, son, Sticks and stones. And I'm actually formulating this response. And then I realized, that's nonsense. Words hurt. Words cut. Words are powerful. And in this scripture, it's interesting because James kind of gives this visual for us. He basically says, listen, listen, it's, it's like a, a riding a horse. And you've got this really small piece of metal in, in the horse's mouth or whatever it is that they have. And with that, you know, that horses are powerful, powerful animals. And when they're trained, you get on that thing and you just ever have to so slightly turn that. And the horse will follow and go where you want it to go. Big old ships. Huge ocean liners. Now, now, do they have huge rudders? Yeah, they're huge. But compared to the size of the ship, the rudder is very small. Very gently you turn, and that guides the ship. Words are powerful. Words are powerful. I want you to stop, and I want you to think about in your own life, both negative and positive. Because I guarantee you, you can think of right now, words that have been spoken over you that have made a difference in your life, either positively or negatively. You can go back to that moment and you can remember, I know I can. And I know it doesn't just come in words, it comes in emails. It comes in communications of any kind. These things where basically somebody says something to you that hurts you, or somebody that says something to you that encourages you. Words are powerful. You think about what words can do to people, and what words have done to people, and what words will do to people. You know, if you want any other explanation of the power of words, remember, we are created in the image of God. God speaks and things are created. As God's children, when we speak, things are created or things are destroyed. And I want to take a moment here to talk to our parents, because I'm one of them. And I have failed in this more times than I would care to admit. 
and we get frustrated and we're tired. And we say something ridiculous to our child. Boy, you're stupid. What is wrong with you? Come on, folks. We got to be better than that. And listen, when we do screw up and we do fail and we do stumble, because you know what? We will. We need to go to our child, get down on their level, get in their face, and simply say, you know what, son, daughter, dad, mom, messed up. And they said things that are not true about you. You aren't a mistake. You aren't annoying. You are blessed and you are loved and you are desired. The happiest kids I ever saw in my youth ministry, the most adjusted kids that I ever saw in my youth ministry were kids whose parents spoke life into their lives, not death. And it's hard. I get it. It is so hard. We get tired. Kids have a million, million million trillion energy cells and we just want to go home and do nothing sometimes we have got to be careful because our words are powerful sticks and stones will break our bones and words will also kill us they will destroy us and we have to understand that we have to know that that's the case we have to be understanding in that because we have to understand the one thing that we're seeing here that's very interesting about this that we're seeing is the tongue is a directional thing. Okay? The tongue is a directional thing. It will direct your life and where you go. If you want to sail into bitter harbor, you can do that with your words. If you want to sail into glorious station, then it will it'll be it'll be because of your words. And we're going to see why in a little bit. But you got to understand that. The tongue is a directional item in our lives. And we got to get it. Next, number three, as we move on, the difficulty of taming the tongue. Look at James 3, verses 7 and 8. It says this, People can tame all kinds of animals, birds and reptiles and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. James here is not mixing words. He is not basically saying, eh, it's all right. No, he's basically saying it is a poisonous device. And what does poison do? Think about it. If you went out and you bought yourself some type of a poison, what is the purpose of the poison? To kill. You're kind of, listen, listen, we we have, you know, you have have these, um, these hornet's nests, okay? I do not go to the store and look for the spray that will simply give the hornets a bad day. That will simply make the hornets go, oh, I don't think I want to be around here anymore. No, I want the hornets dead. That's what poison is. That's what poison does. And here James is basically saying, listen, your tongue, it is full of evil and poison. Now, here's the thing. Let's say I went and I got myself, just because this sounds weird to me, I guess, or cooler, I don't know. I got an arrow. Went to the store, bought myself an arrow, went online, because you can find anything online, and I found online a, a way to make a poison for my arrow. Ooh, ooh, ooh. 
And it's one of those poisons, you know, like you, you, you stick somebody with the arrow, and, of course, you know, they're, they're, they go see Jesus in 2.8 seconds. You know, one of those. Okay? Got my arrow with my poison on it. How stupid would I be? How ridiculous would I be? How uncaring about everyone would I be if I took my arrow and I ran around the church with it? Waving it around. Holding it out in front of me. Oh, let's see if I run into anybody. Oh, here it goes. Here it goes. Oh, it's so close. Oh, it's so close. That would be crazy. That would be call the police and arrest me. That's what that would be. Why does James communicate this? Why is he helping us to see that? Because he wants you to know you have a poison arrow on your property, on your person right now. You better be careful with it. You better not run around with it like a banshee. But what do we do with our tongues? Sometimes we don't like. Somebody does something we don't like. And we just run around with it. Who do, if we stick somebody, well, you know what? That's just too bad for them. Really? Look, we have this. We've got to understand it. Spiritually speaking, we are all running around somewhat with a poison arrow. Let's be careful with it. Let's understand that. Because you know what's going to happen? We talked about this before. We all stumble. There's going to be some accidents. We don't have to try to make one. You know, I, I, we don't have to do that. It's difficult. It's hard. Because it is a situation where as we look at our lives, it's so easy, isn't it? It's so simple. When I was a kid, we had a saying, it's like falling off a log. It just doesn't take much. Somebody says something. We hang out with people and they, they have this, this moment. And what do we do? We, first thing we get in the car. Well, you know, I can't believe he said that. I can't believe she did that. I can't, I can't believe that. I can't. Did you, did you see the way his child was doing this? I can't believe. Did you? That pastor sat down. It's hard. You know what's funny about it? Not funny. Sad about it is we do it and we don't even realize it. That's, that's difficulty to me. Let, me. let me help you with this, okay? Don't do this because I don't want anybody passing out. But if I asked you, hold your breath for as long as you can, and you started doing that, it would be very difficult to hold it for five minutes. Eventually, we would start hearing, <gasps> it's difficult, it's hard. Sometimes not doing the tongue thing Complaining, ripping somebody apart, jumping online and speaking your mind is like holding our breath. You know, we always hear this phrase. It's funny how we have all these phrases that we use for this thing. But you, you've heard the thing, I, I'm, I'm biting my tongue. You know that thing comes from? You know it's really hard to talk when you're biting your tongue. Was that good enough for everybody? Did everybody get the point? It's very hard to speak when you're biting your tongue. And there's been times where I have bit through mine, probably. It's hard. 
It's hard. You know what I also have learned? When I'm doing that, when I'm biting my tongue, it's painful. It's painful. And to keep my tongue from moving forward. I should stop doing that. To keep my tongue from moving forward, I have to bite down harder and harder and harder. You have to understand something. When you tame your tongue, it may be difficult and painful for you, but the thing is it won't be for the hearers who don't hear your poison and don't hear those things. It's important. Number four. James talks about the conflicting character of the tongue. Look at James 3, verses 9 through 12. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh and water that's bitter? Does a fig tree produce olive or grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Look at Proverbs 18. It says in Proverbs 18, verse number 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits we've got to understand something we are in a battle with our tongue we are in a battle in this world we are in a battle between flesh and spirit we are in a battle and we've got to win and what drives me crazy sometimes is in my own life and in the life of people I care about, we refuse to understand that there's a battle going on. That there is a conflict of interest that is going on in our lives. I have to ask you a question. It's crazy because we'll do this. You will come in this place. You will come in this building. You will praise God with your mouth. You will love on him. You will sing to him. You will listen to his word. And you will walk out of this place. And before you get out of the parking lot, you will begin to speak curses against me, against John, against people in this church. And it's wrong and it needs to stop. Right now. Oh, how dare you? Yeah, I dare. Because it's bringing death to this place. Well, I have the right to have... No, you don't. Let me explain something to you very quickly and very simply. When you gave your life to Jesus, your rights were taken out. Do you understand? You gave yourself to him. You are no longer your own. You belong to him. Listen, Christianity is not a democracy. It's not a republic. It is a theocracy. God is in control. What he says goes, and we follow him. And he says, keep your mouth shut. And don't be spread poison. Because it brings division, it brings problems, it brings curses, and it keeps this place from growing to the place that God wants it to be. If I had a garden, and I planted my garden, and I had it, and you come to my garden and pour bleach on my plants, it's going to kill them. That's simple, that's easy. Why do we not understand that the tongue has the power of death and life? It has the power of death and life. And not just about us, but about each other. Listen, one thing I've learned. You don't know what people are going through. Well, I can't believe that person did this. Or I can't believe that that person did. Do you have any idea what they're struggling with right now? Maybe they don't need your judgment. Maybe they need your prayers and your love. Bo, I'm sorry. It's just so much easier to be judgmental. Yes, it is. And that's why it's wrong. And that's why it's flesh. And God's called us to be more than that. Because here's the thing we have to understand. Whether we like it or not, Jesus talks about this in Matthew, the 12th chapter. In Matthew 12, 34 through 37, it says this. Now listen to what Jesus says. You broad of vipers. How can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance, check this out, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I can stop right there. 
Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's real easy to know what's in our hearts. You know why? Because it comes out of here. It comes out of here. I didn't say it, Jesus did. The good person, out of his good treasure, brings forth good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, brings forth evil. I tell you. Now check this out. You got your Bible? Underline this. If you got uh, using your phone, underline this. Get this understood. I tell you, this is Jesus speaking. On the day of judgment, remember we talked about this earlier, everybody's going to be there. On the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Now, I don't know about you, but that petrifies me. Not petrifies me like fear, like, oh, God's going to strike me with a lightning bolt. But like that brings a holy fear into my life. I better be careful what I say. Every careless word. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. I was thinking about doing a series, maybe not this year, but maybe even into next year. And basically, I was going to basically entitle the series, Things I Wish Jesus Had Never Said. And this may be on there. Every careless word, every time I lose my temper with Easton, every time I say something negative about somebody, every time I do that, it's written. And it's going to be, I'm going to have to give account for That's sobering to me. And it shows what's in here. You see, that's kind of the issue. You know, we can, we can put on our fancy clothes, and we can put on our fancy Christianese, and we can fool everybody, can't we? Can't fool God. And you know what? We can't fool others in a lot of ways because what comes out is from in here. If, if this is putrid, and this is death, and this is hurt, and this is bad, it's because that's what's in here. When I was a kid, garbage in, garbage out. Look, guys, remember, this is me too. This isn't a how dare you, this is a how dare me thing too. We've all got to do better in this because we all stumble. But it's something we got to understand. We will give an account. We will have to do that. And once again, here we see James showing us we got to back it up with our lives. Not just playing the part, not just looking the part, but actually our lives and our actions actually having things that will show who we are. So let's go on to number five. So how do we tame the tongue? How do we tame the tongue? If the worship team will come on up, I wanted to close with this. But how do we tame the tongue? I wanted to give you... Now listen, this is not an extensive list. There might be tons of other things. But I just wanted to give you a couple things that I think will help me and help you as we do this. Remember, we're not going to be perfect in this, but we got to do better. Okay? Number one, we should pray. I, I know as Christians, we kind of turn this into... And it sounds silly, but like prayer kind of becomes this like... this. It's not as important. Listen, we need to pray have God help us. We need to pray and admit our weakness in this. We need to understand that. Like, God, I am not good at this. I need you. I need your help. I love when Scripture tells us that in our weakness, he is strong. So we need to pray. We need to go to our Father and say, Father, I am not a... My tongue is saying stuff that it shouldn't. 
My tongue is, is expressing things that it shouldn't, and I need your help. The next, we should be aware. We need to be aware that our words have power. We need to be aware that, that we have to look at those things and know that every careless word is going to be written down. Every careless word we have to give a, a justification for. Every careless word. I don't know how your definition of every is, but that to me basically says all of them. Every time I, I, I looked at a teacher when I was in high school and I said, she's so stupid, I'm going to give account for her. Every time I looked at my leadership, people that I am accountable for and go, they don't understand, they're not this, they're not that, I'm going to give account for her. Every time I look at my son and say something out of frustration that isn't kind, that destroys him, that brings death, I will give account for We've got to be aware of that. I think that's a huge one because we just don't, we're not aware. We don't understand the power that we harness. We don't understand that, that, that arrow with the poison on it and we run around like a crazy person with it. Next, we should stop complaining. Okay? We should stop complaining. Look, look, I... I what's the best way to put this? Anybody can find a problem. What we need is people to fix problems. And, and, and let me help you with something. Most people, most people are quite aware of their deficiencies. If they're not, they got this big God who loves them enough to help them see that, to help them grow. Nowhere in the fruit or the gifts of the Spirit is the gift of helping people understand how horrible they are. Not there. Not the gift of complaining. There is a story that, I, as I was looking, as I was studying, there was a woman, obviously a long time ago, that went up to John Wesley and said, I think that my talent from God is speaking my mind. That's my talent from God. John Wesley's response to her was, I think that I don't think God would mind if you buried that talent. Look, I know in my life, I complain. But you know what complaining does in me? Maybe you're different than me. Complaining brings death in me. Because I focus on the problem and I don't focus on the solution. I focus on what God, quote-unquote, in my world, hasn't done instead of what God will do. And look, I, I know how this works. Everybody's sitting there right now and they're going, well, I, I complained about this. He's talking to me. No, I'm talking about everybody. I'm talking about me. Because I, I, am, I am a horrible complainer. And I have to do better. We have to do better. And, and please understand, that does not mean that we do not, as a staff and as leadership, desire to hear your heart. But there's, there's a difference, guys, between complaining and wanting to find a solution. I would love to have a church. I would love to be a leader that was aware of the situations and aware of the problems but spent twice as much time trying to figure out what God has for us as the solution than just to rehash everything that isn't quite right. Next, we should ask forgiveness. We should ask forgiveness when we mess up, because we all do. 
we should go to those individuals and say, you know what? I was wrong. Because that stuff destroys. It destroys us. You know, and that person may not even know what you did or what you said, but we should ask for forgiveness. Obviously, first and foremost, to to our Father. Because remember, the people we're talking about, as we saw in James, are the people that were created in His image. So we go to those individuals and we say, you know what, I was wrong. And you say, well, but they may not, they might, they might not accept my forgiveness. You know what? God didn't say go to them because they're going to love you back. He didn't say go and ask for forgiveness because they're going to say, oh, of course I forgive you. Oh. No, he said go and you ask for forgiveness. If they choose to hold bitterness, and if they cho- that's on them, folks. If they won't accept that forgiveness... That's not your problem and not your deal. You are to be obedient to what God's asked you to do. And the final thing. The final thing. We should practice speaking words that will encourage, comfort, edify, and inspire. You know why we practice things? Because we're not good at them. I don't have to practice things I'm good at. You know what I mean? I don't have to practice breathing. I'm a really good breather. But we're not good at this. We're not good at having the ability to speak these words. We gotta practice. We gotta be intentional. You gotta be intentional. You can't just say, oh, I'll just kind of let it happen organically and blah, blah, blah. No, you gotta be intentional. You gotta speak these words. My wife does something that's so beautiful. Every night before my son goes to bed. Every single night. She'll look at him in the eyes. And she'll say, Easton Lawrence Nash. You are a joy and a blessing. She will speak those words over our son. Not very many people know this, and now all you guys are going to know this. When she leaves, or before she comes in, it's my turn. I sing over my son. Oh, wow, you're holy. No, 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 no. I sing a very special song. I'm not going to tell you what it is, because it's not your business to know. And I watch his face light up. I watch his arms hold me tight. Why? Because I'm speaking life over him. I'm speaking words that comfort and edify and encourage him. That basically say, no matter what you do, no matter where you go, no matter what happens, you have the love of your father. And when dad messes up and dad says the wrong thing, I'm sorry and I forgive you, but that's not who I am and that's not how I see you. here's the situation. I know that there are some very, 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 very hurtful things that people have said that have rung in your ears for some of you since you were very, very young. You know, here you understand something. Man's words are powerful. But God's words 
are holy and they are true. There is not a word that comes out of the mouth of our Father that is a lie. And He loves you and He has value in you. And if someone has spoken lies over you that are contra- contrary to what our Father has said, I know it's hard and I know it's difficult, but you're going to have to, leave, you're going to, have to let, let those words of our Father be. What is that? Because when my son goes to school this fall, he's going to have people that are going to say, I don't like you. There's going to be people that say, you aren't worth anything. There's going to be people that say, you can't do it. You're stupid. You're dumb. I don't think you're awesome. I don't think you're this. I don't think you're that. And you know what? My son is going to come home and every night, my wife is going to look over him and she's going to say, you are a joy and you are a blessing. And in that moment, my son has to make a decision. He has to either say, well, I believe the truth that comes from my father and my mother or I believe the lies that come from people. And you have to do the same. But today, with everything in me, I truly believe that God wants to come in and he wants to take those things that people have said. And I believe with everything in me right now, the Spirit is speaking specifically words, situations, people that have spoken lies over you. They have taken that tip and they have jabbed it into your heart. And you have struggled with it for years. God, it is time to listen to our Father. It is time to have healing from our Father. It is time to understand that our Father's words spoke the very worlds into existence. And they have more power. They are more true than anything anyone could ever say over us. But we've been walking around believing a lie. And today it needs to end. Because we will not grow. We will not become who we need to be. If we don't, others of us, we need to shut our mouths just as honest as I can be. We need to go, wait a minute. What am I saying? Is this edifying? Is this encouraging? You know what? Because if it isn't, can you do me a favor? Scripture basically says to keep your mouth shut. When I was a kid, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. Oh, but I'm helping. You know what? Just me, you know what's gonna help me? Those, those words. Those words are gonna help me. Well, I want to help you understand that. I want you to, I, I want you to understand how horrible you are in this area. Trust me, I got it. I got it. Because I'm much more in grips with my failures than you are. I know what I'm not good at. I don't need you to come and basically say, hey, just wanted to let you know you're not good at this. You know what's going to help me? These. And you know how I know that? Because you're the same way. What does it help me to walk up to you and go, wow, you're horrible at that. Just thought I'd let you know. Come on, folks. There's been times, not in this church, just hear me, where I have spoke and I have gone and I have hid because I was afraid of what you you as the congregation, not you here, would say to me, I hid. Is that the way the church is supposed to work? I know people that won't come to these places. Why? Because they're afraid of what people are going to say to them. You hear this all the time. I love Jesus, but I don't like the church. Why do you don't think they like the church? It's because the way they're treated when they walk into this place. Because what Jesus has said to do, we're not following through with. So we're going to have a little, little time right now. Close your eyes, please. Let's focus, okay? Because right now what I want to do 
is a little different. I want to pray over you, okay? I take my role as a shepherd very, uh, I take it very, very seriously, okay? And as your shepherd, one of the things that I do on a constant basis is I pray blessing over you. I pray protection over you. Because although I'm a shepherd, my shepherd is Jesus. Our shepherd is Jesus. My job is this is my flock that God has given me that I want to take care of and I want to nourish and I want to help. So right now, I want to pray over you. And if you fall into one of these two camps, that's what we'll be praying for. And in that moment, when I begin to pray, I want you to begin to pray that God will help you, that God will give you freedom, that God will deal with those things. And I want you to pray too, but I want to pray over you, okay? So Father, right now, I come before you. And each person that is in this place, each person that you have brought here, it is not an accident they are here. And Father, it is scary to say this. It's petrifying. I say it with, with, with reverence. But Father, I know that you have placed me in a leadership role in this place. And so, Father, right now, as their shepherd, as someone who loves them and desires them to grow in you, Father, right now, I pray in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, whose words spoke to dead things and it came alive again, who spoke the very world into existence. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray your words over them. I pray your love over them. I pray your acceptance over them. Father, I pray your sonship and your daughtership over them. And Father, I cast into the pit of hell any lies that have been spoken. I don't care if it's from their parents or teachers or pastors or family members or friends. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I cast them away from them. I cast them into the pit of hell from which they came. And in their place, we proclaim freedom for the captive. We proclaim love and grace and mercy right now in the name of Jesus. Right now, that those things would be gone, that those lies would not be believed anymore. And that, Father, in their void, you would begin right now in the name of Jesus, just fill them with your spirit, fill them with your love, fill them with your grace, fill them with the truth of your word. Right now, no matter what it is, right now, Father, please, to whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And Father, for those who are stumbling with our tongue, Father, right now, I pray in the name of Jesus, you would silence that tongue. That you would not allow there to be death to be spoken over this place. Father, I pray for those that are no longer with us, that are speaking death over me and over the people of this church. I pray in the name of Jesus, you would silence them right now. Those curses would be turned back on their head, on their heel, and go right back to which they came. Because, Father, you desire to be blessing in this place. You desire for unity in this place. You desire for there to be love in this place. And those things will be undermined by the enemy and by the tongue that comes from hell. And so, Father, silence us. Father, help us understand in that moment that we would say, no, 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 no. That is not edifying. That is not godly. That is not what God would have me say right now. And I will be silent. Father, more than that, 
more than just silence, we would fill that void with words of encouragement, words of love, words that say, I'm here and I love you and I'll be there when you need me. All those things, Father, let those be the words that come out of our mouth. Father, we can't do it on our own. We need you. So come and help us. We love you.